From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of LPL Market Signals. Jeff Bookbinder here with my friend and colleague, Jeffrey Roach. How are you today, sir? It's uh, it's a happy Monday. So uh, good to be here. And um, just talking just before we started recording, looking forward to being in the Boston office in a little bit. So that'll be that'll be a first for me. So looking forward to to seeing you. We just moved, so make sure you get the correct address. First <laughs> right, of all, right, right. We're, we're pleased to be in our uh, new space. Uh, so looking forward to seeing you, Jeff. Um, we have um, a, a great agenda for you today. I think, you know, we don't make a move on equities very often, but we have made one today. It's Monday, June 5th, 2023, as we're recording this. You know, you'll be listening to it on Tuesday or later. Um, we have downgraded equities to neutral. But importantly, neutral is not bearish. So we want to be, you know, careful um, in how we present this. Uh, you know, this doesn't mean sell everything and go to cash, not, not by a long shot. This means we've had an overweight to equities, uh, but at higher valuations with some technical resistance coming, we think it makes sense to just be a little bit more careful. Um, and you've also got higher bond yields. So we'll go through that. That'll probably take the, the bulk of the time here. Uh, that we're with you, um, but certainly we'll recap last week's strong market action uh, that that put us in a position to potentially break that 4,300 level. It also, by the way, keeps us really close to starting a new bull market based on the technical definition, a 20% uh, closing high above the prior closing low. We actually got above that 20% mark on an intraday basis. Um, so, um, you know, and then we'll we'll conclude the call with just a look at the economic data for the week. But frankly, it's a pretty quiet uh, week for the economic calendar. Um, and then, Jeff, you'll talk about the job support. So, you know, first, just a you know, recap of last week. Really strong week. You know, S&P 500 up almost 2%. Now, most of those games came on Friday after the jobs report. Uh, so we'll call it back-end loaded. We actually, we didn't see this big divergence between the NASDAQ and the S&P. You know, NASDAQ did a little better, but it wasn't dramatically better. Um, and, uh, you know, you generally see gains uh, across regions, a little bit more mixed in Europe, but generally we saw gains, um, you know, in Asia Pacific. Uh, and then when you go up to the upper right-hand corner of this table, you see all countries, EFA, emerging markets. All, all higher to varying degrees, but all all higher. And then the same story with the sectors. Uh, you see uh, all of them higher. Now the defensives were a little bit weaker. We continue to see this pattern where the more economically sensitive sectors do better, or what we refer to as higher beta, the sectors that are more sensitive to market movements. Uh, so uh, you know you see materials, consumer discretionary did quite well. Surprisingly, real estate. Uh, did quite well, and the banks within the financials did well. But based on the market internals in terms of what's working, I think it's fair to say investors are pretty confident, at least in the very near term, maybe over the next uh, three to six months. What do you think? Yeah, you're right. I think uh, one of your comments just a few seconds ago here on uh, saying back-end loaded in terms of uh, how market reactions were last week, I think we're still in this weird period, Jeff, where 
bad news is good news. Um, you know, it, we're, I think we're getting past the worst of it. But the good news, bad news, bad news, good news, you know, for markets, I think a lot of what what markets were focused on uh, after the Friday morning report was this uptick in unemployment. So is that good or bad? Yeah, you know, we could make the case uh, that it's uh, that it's good in the sense that markets or Fed is near the end of its rate hiking cycle as labor markets kind of get a little less tight. But uh, it, anyway, it's it's just kind of interesting in this this weird dynamic of uh, of bad news is good because certainly we had that hot uh, headline number. But yeah, the, the markets uh, a lot of green. Um, if you put this chart in uh, you know color coded here, a lot of green on the page. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there was a little bit of uh, you know debt ceiling deal celebration, we'll call it. I guess even though we and pretty much everybody expected that deal to get done. Um, but I, I think you're right, Jeff, the, the Fed, you know, anticipation that the Fed was either done or will be done very soon, uh, probably part of the, uh, you know, what the market was thinking here by going higher. The the, the jobs report uh, certainly was part of it as well. But, you know, the bond market did fine. Um, we actually, have, you know, saw saw gains last week in the bond market. Uh, and on the commodity side, while you, you, you do have a little bit of a decline uh, in, in oil last week, Actually, more than a little bit of a decline in oil. Um, we got an OPEC plus cut today, and oil got a nice little bounce. And some of the energy stocks getting a little bit of a, a bounce. So maybe energy is finding its footing because oil has really struggled recently. Um, and um, you know, certainly natural gas struggling isn't even putting it strongly enough. Uh, that's <laughs> right. of course for the consumer, but it's you know, for, for investors in energy, uh, that has been um tough sledding recently. Um, and then on the press, on the industrial and precious metals side, uh, Jeff, we actually um, are taking our view on industrial metals down this month uh, to neutral, just like we're doing in equities, uh, but keeping our recommendation on precious metals related investments, that's still more of an uptrend, whereas we've seen more technical damage, more of a breakdown in industrial metals uh, like copper. Yeah, I think in terms of the energy space, it's it's interesting. Despite the announcement over the weekend, you know, last time I checked, you know, we're we're not much above seventy dollars a barrel. So it's interesting to think, you know, with with the uh, challenges in the energy space last week and the announcements of OPEC plus, not much happening. Uh, and clearly, it's a you know, it's still this unknown about global demand. How how much will uh, you know, the large heavy hitters in the global economy um, use oil and what their demand is going to look like the, the latter half of this year. Yeah. And, and until we get more growth from China and uh, evidence of, we'll call it solidifying demand from the rest of the world, that it's hard to envision a big move higher in energy uh, on just a supply cut. Um, so uh, let, let's turn to the S&P here, Jeff. I and mean, this is part of the reason why we think it makes sense to be a little less aggressive in, in equities right now. Um, I mean, certainly the overweight worked for us for, for some time now. But as you can see here on this chart, we're right up against that August um, 2022 high, right around 4,300. That's the 20% mark, roughly uh, above the October uh, October lows. 
So, you know, even though 4,200 didn't look like it was very tough to break through, you know, 4,300 could get a little bit tougher, right? So, you know, our, our technical strategist, Adam Turnquist, um, while mom, he points out momentum could continue to carry us higher from here, uh, it would be a very logical place for the S&P 500 uh, to pause. So we'll certainly be watching that level very closely. In fact, as we're recording this, we kind of bounced off of it and move lower. So we can't quite declare a new bear market, uh, new bull market and the end of the bear market uh, just just yet. So, yeah, uh, yeah. well, before we get to jobs, just thinking about, you know, markets last week, you know, I think one of the things is, as Jeff, you often highlight in our stack meetings, our strategic tactical and asset allocation committee meetings, uh, and that is, you know, as portfolio managers and, and allocators, we're always trying to say, okay, where could we be wrong? Uh, you know, what, where are the risks both to the upside, to the downside? And one thing that, you know, is, needs to be maybe a little more front and center than, than sometimes we, we, we do indeed talk about it is, you know, perhaps, you know, we need to think about the scenario where the Russian Ukraine war actually finds some conclusion, some resolution. Uh, so you know, we've talked about, you know, valuations and multiples and and hitting that high in that previous chart as we just showed. But, uh, you know, there's there's certainly some some scenarios out there that are worth, you know, thinking about, right? Where, where's our base? What's our base case? And then, of course, what are all those uh, hypotheticals that could that throw us off track? Yeah, good, good point, Jeff. You could also say that the chances of a soft landing have increased a little bit with this latest jobs report, right? We still think odds slightly favor recession, but very mild. People probably are getting a little bit too nervous about that word. Uh, could be a very mild, very short-lived recession that people are kind of already feeling and maybe won't feel it much more, frankly, uh, yeah. in your place in the economy. So, you know, I guess... Walk us through, Jeff, your odds of recession now as a result or how they've changed uh, as a result of this really strong payroll number we got on Friday. And then uh, what does it potentially mean for the Fed? Well, I think, you know, starting very high level, I think if we rewound the clock here uh, several quarters, I think we, we, you know, we were saying, you know, by summertime, you know, we'll see contraction. Uh, I think some of the data suggests that you know the recession if indeed we slide into one is pushed out a little bit later this year now granted we're recording here june 5th uh you know summer doesn't officially start you know until a little bit later this month uh you know and so it'd be interesting to see see how the july numbers stack up and of course you have to wait till august for those july numbers so you know we're saying you know the risk is that this recession base case gets pushed out a little bit later this year but the fact remains that you know we we're we're going to see the consumer slow down and and pull back after releasing so much pent up demand particularly for services you know thinking about travel thinking about uh the you know the the component where people are you know pulling back on the durable goods spending now they're going gangbusters on the services spending and you know, by the end of the summer, maybe you know, Q3, we're starting to see this pullback, uh, and a lot of it hinges on how well consumers are feeling in regards to you know stable job 
and income growth, you know, the ability to spend without acquiring too much debt. And all that, again, kind of leads us back to what we saw Friday morning, 8.30 Eastern time, saw a blowout jobs number. And that was the headline number from the uh, the establishment survey, meaning that as the government surveys businesses, over 300,000 jobs were added to company payrolls. However, don't you love it when an economist says, however. Uh, so the, the government also surveys households, not just businesses. The household survey tells a slightly different story. Hence, that's one of the reasons why you had this headline job growth, you know, so very strong. And at the same time, an uptick in unemployment. Unemployment comes from the survey that the government uh, holds and conducts to households. Actually, the number of employed people declined, according to the household survey, in contrast to the establishment survey. And I actually blog about this, Jeff, on our LPL Research uh, blog page. We say, okay, it, it's often the case where the establishment survey and the household survey differ. It's okay. It, it, you know, We don't need to get into conspiracy theories in this case, they're measuring two different things, right? It's very important to remember that. Uh, it's combined, I guess, unfortunately, it's combined when the media talk about labor markets, but two very different surveys. And I think, you know, we're, we're seeing the the market uh, respond as we, as we saw they did. Investors were pretty happy in the sense that unemployment rose up a little bit. Uh, wages actually slowed down in terms of their growth, nominal growth. And so that means that the Fed can say, well, there's less risk from the wage price spiral. There's a little less tightness in the labor market. And at the same time, businesses are adding jobs, meaning that we're not going to have the economy come to a screeching halt, but we're slowing down in a way that actually is, is quite positive for the Fed. That's in a nutshell, one of the reasons why you had a very interesting job report Friday. And as a response, investors were quite, quite happy. Yeah, I think that, you know, you could say that the, the market rallied and wasn't too concerned about the Fed because we got those two different messages from the two different reports, right? So that, you know, new job creation looked too hot, right? But, you know, that household survey said, no, we're actually kind of cooling off gradually, which is what the Fed wants. So when you, um, you could almost argue that during these times of transition, right, we're coming out of, uh, you know, this post pandemic kind of fast bounce and then a kind of coming off as, you know, consumers are releasing this pent up demand, as we talk about. And during those moments of transition, it's it's I think it's believable to say what's more important is the household survey. You know, most of the time investors focus on the establishment survey, but in this case, household surveys really giving us the information we want. Now, this this chart, Jeff, that you put together shows that it's really more about cost cutting than about demand, right? In terms of why layoffs are happening. Yeah. So this is just saying, okay, within within the corporate side, you know. We know the Fed has has been quite consumed with this report about the number of job openings that companies are reporting. So this chart kind of says, well, let's take a slightly different angle, but we'll focus on the corporations, right? Like I just said in the previous slide, we've been focusing on households. In this case, let's focus on businesses. 
We know the openings to unemployed is really, really high. But we want to say, okay, is there any more information about the corporate side as the corporate side gets ready for a slowdown the latter half of this year? This basically just makes the argument that a number of the layoff announcements that firms are making are are being done because firms want to streamline, be efficient, cut costs, and get into a position where, hey, if the economy slows and even slows materially uh, enough for it to become an official recession, uh, businesses have been well prepared. They've they've cut you know they've cut the fat, if you will, where they're efficient. And I think it's interesting because as we sit here today. This is as of May data, that last uh, orange spike. As we sit here today, we're saying, you know, it's not a massive slowdown yet, at least from the corporate side. People are still buying. People are still traveling. People are still, uh, you know, acting as if, you know, we're, they're going to take an advantage of uh, this, the, the decent level of savings and decent level of, of disposable income growth. And so it's not really a demand problem. Firms are saying, firms are saying, hey, we just want to be well prepared if and when we do go into recession. Yeah, clearly a lot of firms, tech firms in particular, uh, overhired during the pandemic. And so right. we're still kind of adjusting to that. And actually, we've seen a number of cases where stocks have rallied because tech companies have announced cost cuts and layoffs, right? At, at some point, that relationship flips. But for now, uh, markets are viewing cost cuts uh, as as positive. Uh, and then you've got one more. Um... Well, before we get there, Jeff, you just gave me a good idea talking about your comment, which is which is a great one. The idea of firms overhiring, right? In in the previous kind of section of time, and now it's particularly in the tech sector, kind of getting back, perhaps maybe to a more uh, sustainable run rate. Uh, that that might turn into being a, an interesting. Uh, blog post or who knows, maybe even a weekly market commentary uh, talking about, um, you know, our, our own estimates on uh, what it might mean to be overhiring. Um, that's, that's, that's a good comment. Just gave me some ideas. I, 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 I squeeze one in there every once in a while. So <laughs> thanks for acknowledging that. Let's keep going. And um, uh, this chart on productivity, I mean, I actually think this is one of the keys to keeping inflation at bay going forward, right? It's it's productivity. So you don't have these situations where companies are bidding up labor cost, right? Bidding up wages and, um, you know, hurting margins and potentially scaring the Fed again. Yeah. Well, well, thinking about, you know, forward looking earnings, right? Thinking about 2024 and beyond, we need to start doing that. What What is most important as we set those expectations? We know our labor force is aging and shrinking. And so what do we need to see? Well, maybe the fourth industrial revolution, if you will, could be maybe an answer to that, right? What, what might spike productivity? Uh, but in conjunction with Friday's labor market report, this is why I, I made this chart for the blog. And that is just to say, well, we know if productivity is really the key for keeping the engine going, particularly into 2024, you know, that prime age worker, the 25 to 54 year old is really going to be uh, the important category to watch as we go uh, through the latter half of this year and, and setting up for next year. Uh, maybe chat GPT is going to be uh, 
going to play a, a bigger part than what we might think. Absolutely. Uh, so um, that is a very long-term trend and you know, remains to be seen what impact it'll have on productivity. But I think it's fair to say that um, labor will be more productive uh, in, in the future. And, and, and maybe that amount of incremental productivity we get from um, artificial intelligence and machine learning and all of that will be maybe more than a lot of people expect. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But um, with with that, let's get into um, you know what we wanted to feature today, which is this decision to um, to downgrade equities. This um, the reasons for this move are spelled out in our weekly market commentary on LPL.com. Uh, Jeff, you highlighted the blog. That's LPLresearch.com, where we post stuff pretty much every day, as opposed to once a week. Um, we hinted at the first reason that we made this move already, which is. Um, you know, the S&P 500 bumping up against resistance. Uh, another reason we did this is because technology is carrying so much of the load and that that weight just gets higher and higher uh, as tech continues to lead. So we think tech's due for a breather. As you see here, uh, the title of this slide looks overextended. You know, when you have an RSI, a relative strength index over 70, it's basically saying that, you know, over 70% of the days are up essentially. Uh, and then you've got a big gap between where the sector is now and the 50-day and the 200-day, uh, but primarily the 50-day moving average that reflects overbought conditions. We just think tech's due for a little bit of a pause. Uh, you've also got a very concentrated market. It's not just tech. It's really the seven biggest stocks in the S&P 500 that are driving almost all of the gains for the year. You know, this is why when you take a look at the equal weight S&P 500, it's actually behind as much as it's ever been behind the market cap weighted S&P 500, where those big seven or eight names uh, are really driving uh, the gain. So the, those concentrated markets, they just can't sustain themselves for very long. I mean, could it go for another month or another two months? Sure, maybe even longer. But at some point, we need more breadth for this market to go higher uh, from current levels. So that's another reason we made that move. Um, a third reason here is, is stock valuations relative to bonds. So this is the equity risk premium. It's just a way to compare the income generated by stocks to the income generated by bonds. Of course, the income generated by stocks is earnings. We're not talking about dividends, we're talking about earnings. Uh, and then the income generated by bonds, of course, is yields. Uh, and when you compare those two, you know, a few years ago, I mean, obviously at the bottom of the pandemic, stocks looked cheap. But you go back coming out of the financial crisis, stocks looked really cheap relative to bonds because you had effectively zero interest rates. But, you know, we've moved from five, six percent down to one. And if you look, look at this chart, you know, one percent on the equity risk premium is I mean, we haven't been down there in close to 20 years. So it almost says be indifferent between stocks and bonds uh, based on current valuations because we're pretty much in, law, in line with the long-term uh, averages on this uh, on this metric uh, at right around one um, percent. So again, we're not saying go you know sell all your stocks in good cash. We're just saying you know the risk reward maybe is more balanced here, and um, we no longer, at least for now, want to lean into 
uh, lean into equities. The last uh, point on this, and Jeff, then I'll let you uh, chime in, is seasonality. It just seems like a logical place for stocks to pull back a little bit, or at least consolidate and digest these gains. Again, we're almost 20% off the lows. Uh, June is a seasonally weak month. We've all heard the sell and may go away adage. You also have weak months in August, September, and, and then into early October. So just sort of, you know, taking the higher yield in bonds right now relative to stocks just looks like a little bit better trade than it's looked like, uh, you know, in recent years. And so th this might be just a good time, uh, we think, to um, just pull back a little bit, kind of see what develops. We'll probably, like, if we're right, we'll probably have a recession, even if it's mild and short-lived in the next, you know, call it six to nine months. Uh, you're probably going to get a little volatility ahead of that. You know, maybe not dramatic because this is the most anticipated recession possibly of our lifetimes. <laughs> but certainly would be logical to pull back, Jeff, a little bit ahead of a recession if we get one. And during this seasonally weak summer period, uh, that may be the, the time for markets to increasingly price that in if we see more um, you know, weakening economic conditions over the next several months. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, well, as as you know, I was on uh, family vacation uh, the last uh, little bit, and I took opportunity to do a lot of uh, LPL um, research and LPL.com newsroom reading in my spare time, would you believe? And I, I just wanted to highlight, you know, this weekly vacation, Jeff. Isn't that great? So I was just going to say, you know, this the weekly market commentary this week is is what just really a fantastic third chapter to what was written in previous weeks. And it it totally makes sense, right? Because as uh, Lawrence Gillum was talking through, you know, kind of the the attraction of cash, for example, right? Where where bonds are and the hurdle rates. Uh, and then Turnquist, I think, had, you know, that uh, commentary. I think he co-wrote it with you, Jeff, on just that that leadership component. So when you think about, you know, the natural progression of thought, uh, over the last several weeks, it really does make the case pretty pretty clear and simple in why we would want to do this neutral benchmark. I don't know how about how about that for a little bit of uh, marketing for uh, our LPL.com newsroom site, huh? I did not see that coming, uh, but that's where the weekly market commentary is LPL.com, and then you find the newsroom. So one of my favorite sites uh, for sure. Uh, I think it's it's also um, you know, a point in time where regardless of how you invest, right, whether you're, you know, fundamentals, whether you're, you just look at valuations, whether you do technicals, they're kind of all saying the same thing right yeah. now. Be, be a little bit more careful. I think that's, uh, that's the bottom line. So again, the weekly market commentary for this week uh, on LPL.com just walks through what we just discussed, right? It's, it's, you know, why are we taking a little bit of equity risk uh, off the table here. So uh, hopefully folks will see that as uh, as useful. Uh, let's go into the um, the week ahead here, Jeff. I mean, we're all going to be watching the S&P 500's uh, quest to break 4,300, which would, you know, kind of convincingly start the new bull market, would convincingly, convincingly break the August 22 highs. Um, but you know, beyond that, um, we've got some economic data. Actually, we already got it this morning. I updated this today. 
I think the ISM services is probably the highlight of the week. And then maybe people want to watch claims because it's a timely uh, measure of the health of the labor market. Yeah, that's that's right. And so, you know, this is the blackout period before uh, the Fed's decision next week. And it's a fairly quiet week after last week's very active week, even though it was crammed into just four days uh, since we had Monday uh, able to remember those that gave the ultimate sacrifice for our country. But let's uh, let's think about this, you know, this week in terms of, um, you know, where where markets are going to most likely to kind of hold steady waiting for next week. But uh, services component came out 10 a.m. Eastern time this morning. We're recording here in the afternoon. Jeff, as you already said, on the 5th. Uh, but just to just to highlight the fact that services has clearly slowed, even though that index is above 50, meaning it's growing, just growing at a slower rate. Uh, below 50 means contracting, um, as I mentioned here with, with that 50 uh, line. But the but really the the big question as we're you know sitting here closing out, uh, you know, looking at the data for May. Obviously, we're at the beginning here, month of June. So we got a lot of data still to come for month of May. And that is, you know, how much uh, will consumers continue to spend on services? At this point, we're we're seeing that consumers are above trend growth on both goods and services, meaning the consumer is set up for a, a significant slowdown by the time they get to uh, Q3. And hence, that's why we have the uh, the baseline recession call. Uh, but at this point, services growing. Uh, people want to travel. I was one of them. Uh, but we're, we're clearly growing at a much slower rate. And I think we're set up for uh, a contraction in the uh, months ahead. But uh, outside of that, not a very busy week this week from an economic data standpoint. Well, it'll give uh, folks like yourself a um, a lot of extra time to focus on what the Fed might tell us next week, because you're not uh, going to be pouring over a lot of uh, high impact economic data uh, this week. So, um, you know, the Fed right now, I mean, the uh, uh, I guess it's vice chair to be pretty much signal clearly that we're going to have a pause in June and then we'll have a potential for a hike in July. That seems to be the market's base case at this point, although um, we're going to get quite a bit more important data between now and that uh, late July uh, Fed meeting, right, Jeff? Yep. 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 And that's right. And I think from, you know, from our listeners standpoint, you know, what, what do they need to know? They need to know whether, you know, whatever the Fed does maybe in July, the point is terminal rate, uh, will be or the end of year rate will be lower than it is today. I think that's kind of the, the uh, one key takeaway uh, as we get you know more inflation data, as we get more economic data. I, I think it's it's very very clear to say that uh, December thirty one rates will be lower than they are today. I think that's a pretty decent bet uh, for sure as inflation continues to come down. So. Um, Thanks for that, Jeff. Um, with that, we will go ahead and, and wrap. Um, thanks everybody for joining, and uh, and Jeff, thanks for um, you know walking us through that jobs report and you know kind of sharing your your economic outlook. Um, I think you know probably a number of you have recently celebrated graduations. Uh, I know there were a number of them here. Actually, the high school. I don't have kids graduating high school yet, but the high school uh, in my town is having its graduation tonight. And I've certainly seen a lot of you in social media celebrating graduation. So I'll 
congratulate all of the graduates out there. Uh, an exciting time, uh, certainly, and a lot of great achievements. So with that, um, I will uh, bid adieu and uh, everybody have a great week. We'll talk to you next week on another edition of LPL Market Singles. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.